title of the message today is, well, can you guess? Can you guess? I brought signs. Kind of feels like March Madness. I don't know. Like, my journey with Jesus. My journey with Jesus. How's your journey with Jesus going? You're like, I thought we were talking about the power of making disciples. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the power of making disciples. And uh, if you remember, like, w- you know, our mission statement, right? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Right? Pretty sweet. God's with us. But teaching them to observe all I have commanded you? You got the Bible memorized yet? You living it perfectly yet? No, so we're still on a journey with Jesus, right? Discipleship takes time. It takes energy. I'm not just a disciple and like it's done. It's not like a one-time thing. It's like a continual thing. It's a lifetime thing. So I I brought this sign. Um, See this little circle over here like that? That's like where it all started for me. How about for you? Where did it start? Do you remember? Remember when it all started? It started way before that. God was pursuing you. But remember when it all started for you? Remember? Okay, then, then you see this line. It's just pointing the other way. Like, where are we at? Where are you at on the line? If you were to come up and put a sticker, just imagine it, because if I had you all do that, I'd be way over time. But Matt, where would you put your sticker? Where would you put it? Like, ah, oh, I'm pretty mature. Or are you like, oh, I got saved today. I got baptized. Or like, I've had some hardship. I've been some suffering. I go to small group. I serve. Whatever, you know, I don't know. Where you at? No matter where you think you're at, no matter where you would plot yourself on here, go ahead, plot yourself mentally. Go ahead, put it on there. All right, here's what I want to say to you. Phil, I need you. All right. You take this end and walk that way. Thank you, Phil. And I'll take this end and walk this way. This is what we're talking about. You get it? No matter where you put yourself on this first section, there is a journey with Jesus. Right? All right. Good. We'll leave it here so they can see it. Perfect. Thank you. This journey with Jesus is going to continue. And no matter where you think you are, no matter where you're at, no matter what pastor told you, whatever, my life's work has been just trying to forget everything I learned. And read the Bible for what it says. <laughs> right? That's good stuff. I'm glad I heard it. Right? But like, when you go to read the Bible and you all you remember is what you've all been told versus what it's saying, it kind of messes with you. Right? So that's the journey I'm on with Christ. Like, what is this saying? What does it mean? You're going to see three stories in the scriptures today. Blow your mind. All right? It's going to blow your mind the three stories in the scriptures today. And I want you to relate each of these people, each of these stories to your life. So what does that mean to me? Where am I at? Three questions. That'll be the outline. Three questions that really demand three honest answers. And I've been praying for open hearts, so let me just pray now. God, as I pray, I pray, God, that your word would be present today fully. That your son would be present today. 
that your spirit would fill this place today. That your presence. God, we're asking you to be here. (laughs) Is that clear? (laughs) Like, I want you to come. I want you to be here. I know you're here in the lives of your people. Would you open our eyes to go deeper? Would you open our hearts to see more of the grace of your gospel? To be filled with the Holy Spirit power. May we not hide behind any religious thing, religiosity, past accomplishment. But take us deeper, take us farther today in our walk with you, Lord Jesus. And we all pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're in Acts 18. Go ahead and flip over there. You already knew that if you come every week because that's where we left off. So that's where we're going to start because that's kind of how we do it. Um, Acts 18, verse 24. I'm just going to pick, pick up verse 23 just to catch you up. Here's what it says, verse 23. After spending some time there, In Antioch, that was his home base. This is talking about Paul. He departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia. That was his normal thing. And uh, uh, Phrygia and strengthening all the disciples. That's where we left off. He He was going around to all the churches he'd already been to. And he's like, you're doing it. Let's go. Right? He's strengthening them. Love that. Love that. And I hope that that's what today will be for you, too. Now, a Jew named Apollos, first time we hear about this guy, Apollos, really powerful guy, used ten times in Scripture, maybe, just maybe, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know, but if you go read Hebrews, like I did this morning, it makes a lot of sense that it might be him. A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. Remember, uh, Rome was the biggest city. Alexandria was the second biggest city. What was the third? Antioch, right? So now we got Ephesus, which is a 300,000 people, and it's a big city too. They came to Ephesus. Apollos, he was eloquent. He was an eloquent man. He was competent in the Scriptures. When I say competent in the Scriptures, what are you thinking? Right? I mean, like he knew the Bible, right? Like he knew knew the Bible. Well, that's what I'm thinking when I'm reading it too. So I'm like, oh, he knew the Bible. Okay, well, that's great. Well, if he knew the whole Bible, he'd know more than he knows. Right? As you keep reading, you understand what he doesn't know. And so the scriptures are talking about the Old Testament. He He had knowledge of the Old Testament. He had been to synagogue. He had been taught. He had memorized probably the first five books of the Bible. He knew more than your pastor. Okay, like he, he knew more, but there were some things he was missing too. You're going to see that in a second. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. That's just fervent. It's like this boiling. It's just a good way of saying he was passionate, right? Know anybody like that? He's passionate, right? I don't know. All right. So he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Now, when you read that, when you read that, you're like, he spoke and taught accurately the things of Jesus? What do you think he, he spoke and taught? Go ahead, throw some stuff out. You all up there. Come on now. What did he speak? What did he teach? 
The Bible, great. What else? Jesus is the Messiah, great. Yeah, I'm thinking that. What else? Resurrection, repent, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's like teaching him all this stuff, all this doctrine of here's who Jesus is, here's what he did, here's what his life was like. All the New Testament, that's what I'm thinking. He, he must have knew Jesus really well. Read the next phrase. Though he only knew the baptism of John. Like, what? Like, well, like, something's missing, right? Like, so he knows about Jesus, but he only knows Jesus to, like, this certain point. And that's when Jesus gets baptized by John. And then something gets lost in the translation, and he hasn't heard about the rest of it. Kind of interesting. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, which would take boldness. He's like, hey, you guys need to repent. You Jews, you Pharisees, you people in the synagogue that are churchy, religious people, repent. You know? John's like out by the water. He's like bringing it to the church. But when Priscilla and Aquila, remember we met them last week, heard him, or two weeks ago that would be, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. He was already explaining things accurately. That really confused me for a while. He was explaining what he knew accurately. But there was more, right? You knew this much, and then I gave you more, right? There was more. And so, more accurately, more fi- a finer point, and when he wished to cross to Achaia, where, which is where Corinth is, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped. I love that. Matter of fact, if you just want to know this, note this about Apollos, he reached people Paul couldn't. Just think about that. Because he was so eloquent, because he was so persuasive, he reached people Paul couldn't. That's, that's a big deal. Anybody think Paul was pretty persuasive? Yeah. Okay. This guy, more persuasive. He greatly helped those who through grace. I want you to underline or circle grace in your Bible right there. Through grace. This is a really big deal. Apollos found grace. That's something new now in the story. And through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. I want you to circle or box Christ. The Christ. There's something different here now. It's not just about the accuracy about Jesus. It's about the Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. So even though he was like top-notch speaker, very competent, he was passionate, he knew all the promises in the Old Testament, but he doesn't know their fulfillment. Do you get it? And Priscilla and Quilla are like, hey, 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 hold on. Like, they didn't go up and say, like, stop the synagogue. Like, you're wrong. Let me tell you what's right, right? Did they do that? Sometimes we as Christians want to do that when somebody's like, oh, you're way off. What did they do? They're like, hey, come over here a second. Can, we, can you come to dinner? Yeah, come over to the house. Right? And they sat down at the table and they told them about the cross and about the resurrection and about Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, but all these things that have happened since Jesus got baptized, right? And they explained it to him, and he was like, I don't want that. 
My pastor says this. You know? No. Think about a guy so eloquent, so powerful, so well-versed, right? He was like, I'm listening. If, if I don't know, I want to know. I'm listening. I love that. I love that about Apollos, this big, strapping, powerful guy. Paul says that in Romans 10. I just want you to look at this quick on the screen. Romans 10, 1 through 4. Brothers, sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that's the Jews, is that they may be saved. I want so badly for religious people to stop being religious and to be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. You're here. You're in church today. You have a zeal for God, right? And so did the Jews, but not according to the knowledge. Remember when Jesus told the woman at the well? Yeah, yeah, they worship here, but we worship what we know, right? You worship what you don't know. There's a knowledge here that you've got to know for being ignorant of the righteousness of God. Don't be ignorant of the righteousness of God. And seeking to establish their own. Isn't that what the church in America has done today? Isn't that what we've done? Here's my righteousness. Go to church. Take communion. Get baptized. Serve. Go to small group. Isn't that what we're doing? Our own righteousness? Mm -mm, No way. Mm Mm-mm. Don't want it to be because of our own righteousness. Infant baptism, first communion, all these, you could just, all these rituals in the church. Go on the other end, right? That's the one end. On the charismatic, everybody has to speak in tongues or they're not saved. Like you could, all the rituals you want, all the my own righteousness you want to do and seek to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. They didn't just go, hey, teach me. God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes. You ever been trying to get somewhere that you couldn't kind of figure out how to get there? Anybody ever been there? And you're like, hmm, I think I'll grab the map, right? So I grabbed the map. Because I wanted to get to my brother's house. He moved to uh, uh, up in the cities. And so I like pull out the map and I'm like, oh, okay, somewhere in there. So I went to the back and I was like, okay, yeah, just north. Yeah, oh, there's no roads where he lives. Because I know he lives right there. There's, no, there's no, no roads on this map. So you're like, go get to the 21st century, right? So all you millennials are like, pull your phone out, dork, right? So I, so I did. I pulled my phone up. I actually pulled my phone out first, but I just wanted to give you an illustration, relate to all of you. All right, so I pull my phone out, right? Pull my phone out, and I type it in. There's no roads. Like, that's not possible. Okay, I'll give you the address. No, I won't. Privacy. Seriously, there's no roads. And it actually says on on, uh, the the apps, map, map apps, that you have to, you could have to go on unpaved roads to get there. Like, it's like dirt roads, please. And I'm like, no, 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 I've been there before. I actually know it actually has paved roads right up to the curb, to the driveway, into there. That's exactly what we're talking about. 
That's exactly what we're talking about. Apollos is like, I think I know where I'm going, but I don't have all the map, right? I got the Old Testament, but not the New Testament. I got Acts, but not the epistles, right? He just doesn't get it. It's not inaccurate or insincere. That's not the problem. If you were baptized as an infant, if you were, you know, like it's all these different spiritual rituals, it's people meaning well they want to do good, right? Your parents want to do good. Your, your, your pastor wants to, These people are not like trying to like be evil. It's inaccurate. It's not inaccurate or insincere, but it's incomplete, right? It's incomplete. Get the full picture. So here it is. Here's the question. I've tried to warm you up to it because I think if I just asked it right away, you'd be like, duh. Do I understand the importance of the death and resurrection of Jesus? I think you're all like, yep, I do. Sure I do. Do you understand the importance of the death and resurrection of Jesus? Do you really understand? Do you really, really get it? I grew up in church. All my life gone to church. Worked hard in the church. Nobody outworked me. Do you really understand the death and resurrection of Christ? See, the thing that's missing or was missing in my life is grace. Grace. Have you embraced grace, right? So it's the grace of God. Just flip over quick. Um, I'd belabor it, but I just want you to see it. 1 Corinthians 15. I'll start reading. You get there. 1 Corinthians 15. just want you to see this clear as day. The grace. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel, the good news that I preached to you. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Salvation is happening, and it, is, it keeps happening. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So there are some people that are faking it. There are some people that are like, I'm faking it, man. I'm here at church. I'm faking it. Right? No, 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 no. Don't, be, don't let it be in vain. Don't let it be in vain. Here's the message. For I delivered to you as of first importance. How important was it? Like before anything else? Religious that any other pastors told you? Yep. <laughs> first importance. What I also received. Who did he receive it from? Who did Paul receive it from? Jesus Christ himself on the road to Damascus. This is like really close in proximity you can trust this report that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. You know what, Apollos? All those scriptures that you're quoting? Yeah, those are right. And they all point to Jesus Christ. That he was buried and that he rose again, that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You know those things in the Old Testament? Yeah, they all came true from Jesus Christ. And he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and to the twelve. And he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. I mean, you can go talk to any of these guys, is what Paul's saying. Right now, 
in real time. And nobody's like, oh, I, I, I couldn't find one. Like, they're right here. Some of them have fallen asleep. That means they've died. Then he appeared to James, that's the brother of Jesus, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, on the road to Damascus, right? I'll just add that in. He appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles. Does anybody believe that? I mean, are you listening to yourself, Paul? I haven't even heard about Thomas since the day he was like, I'm not going to do this until I put your nails, in the, you know, hands in the nails. Like, wh- nail holes. Like, what? Who's Thomas? Where's Matthias? Like, where are these guys? Who's the least of the apostles? Not Paul. Paul thinks he is. Paul says he is. Paul writes that he is in the power of the Holy Spirit. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I was against the bride of Christ. Hmm. But by the grace, circle that, of God, I am what I am. You know what? I love that. I love that by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm a sinful, (laughs) grace-covered, blood-covered preacher, right? (laughs) You are a a child of God, not perfect yet, and you're walking the best you can in the Spirit if you're saved, or you're coming to Christ today, hopefully, if you're not a believer. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. So just get this right. First grace, that's how you get faith, right? God's grace activates your faith. First grace to your faith, right? And then faith brings works, right? Then we do this thing. Don't get it all pretend stuff. And oh yeah, I got saved. Yo, I understand the grace. Like I'm working my fingers to the bone here, right? Like, you know, dude, you don't get it. Relax. Relax in the grace that God has given. Do you really understand the importance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? That it's not what you bring to the table. It's not how hard you work, but it's what Jesus Christ has already done for you. Fall down in his arms. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the what? But the grace that worked through me, the grace of God that is within me, whether then it is I or or they, and they could be Apollos, Aquila, Priscilla. So we preached, and so you believed. No matter if Apollos preached, Aquila, Priscilla, no matter who preached at Corinth, he says, this is what we preached. We preached the gospel, the good news. The good news is, it doesn't depend on you. <laughs> That's good news. Because if it depends on you, you stink. Right? I mean, we're all going the same place if it depends on us. But God made a way through Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? I mean, has that gripped you to the core? Because that's going to make you relax. Every time I say you should serve, you're not going to be like, oh, he wants me to serve. You're going to be like, of course he wants me to serve. That's what people do when they love Jesus. Right? When I say, hey, I think you should be in community in a small group, you're going to be like, man, why does he keep asking me that? No, you're going to be like, of course he asked me that. He loves me. He's my shepherd. He wants me to be with other sheep. So we can work together. It's the grace. 
It's the grace. Embrace the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. That's really the application. Apollos did that. (laughs) And then he was getting persecuted. (laughs) Right? He was the one getting thrown into jail. He was the one. This next section, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Let's, let's go there. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland uh, country and came to Ephesus. Ephesus, uh, like I said, is a city of about 300,000 people. Um, really known for this. The goddess Diana. Right? There was this meteorite, fell from the sky. They all worshipped it, made idols out of it. They called it Diana or Artemis. There was a temple there. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. Was. If you go there today, it's like, eh, it's just old ancient ruins. Nobody cares. But in the day, in their heyday, that's when Paul was there, they were the stuff. And God's like, I'm going to show you what the stuff is. Right? Right? Coming. There he found some disciples. Now, when you read that word disciple, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What am I thinking? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, so I'm thinking you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you say, I'm a disciple, I'm going, you've got to be a disciple of Jesus, right? I'm not thinking you might be following something else, but it is possible that you could be following something else. Because these guys were. But he kind of caught a window, like he's like, something's not right. Like you say you're a disciple, but you're acting, I'm not getting it, right? So, and he said to them, well, hold on. Like, did, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because there's, there's a pretty important thing. When you believe, you're filled with the Spirit right then. That's called salvation. Did, did that happen to you? And they said, no. That was pretty clear. No, no, it hasn't, actually. Uh, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Saved or unsaved? Not saved, right? I mean, you can't be saved if you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's clear from all of Scripture. And he said to them, then, then you know, you guys keep talking about this baptism thing. You know, like, what do you, what do you, like, into what then were you baptized? Well, down at the lake. Well, anyway, yeah, I get that. They said into John's baptism. Into John's baptism. So much like Apollo, as a matter of fact, these 12 guys could have been a, disciples of Apollos, who were disciples of John. Because they were in Ephesus where, where he left. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come. That is Jesus. On hearing it, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were like, we're on it. We're on it. We're on it. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, now maybe that was when they were baptized, or maybe that was later. Again, uh, Luke's writing this, and he's like, whoo! You know, he's like, it's all this stuff, and it's like the most powerful stuff, and it's all at once. So I don't know if it was when he put his hands on them to baptize them, or if it was later he laid his hands on them, however it happened. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. There were about 12 men in all. This is the third time in Acts that we talk about tongues, right? We talked about in Acts chapter 2, tongues were the, the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles. The apostles spoke in tongues, another language, right, that you could understand because somebody was understanding. All those 
groups of people were understanding them. And, and why was tongues so important? It drew a crowd so that the message could go out, right? It's all about saving these Jews, right? And then you got chapter 10. You've got these Gentiles. They get saved. And before anybody lays hands on them or anything, they're like, boom, they got the Spirit. And, and Peter's looking around, and, and the Jews that came with her are looking around like, what in the world just happened? Well, this is like at Pentecost. And Peter's like, whoa, this is cool. You guys got to get baptized, right? And then he baptized them with water. And so this is happening now a, a second time in Acts 10. Why? Because the Jews that came with Peter, they don't get it. They don't get that it's for Jews and Gentiles. So God has to show up in such a powerful way that it's like, no, my hand's on this. My hand's on this. And then it happens again in Acts chapter 19. Where Paul is doing this thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom! Right? And the gift of the Spirit. And you've got tongues all the way to prophecy. If you just read 1 Corinthians 12, you would understand that that is the top and the bottom of the list of gifts of the Spirit. He's basically like, they got it all, right? They got them, right? And, and boom, they get this. And why? Because these Jews were like, well, I'm confused. I'm like, I get, okay, baptism, John, baptism. Like, what is going on? And, and God's like, I want to do a work here in Ephesus. I want to light this place up. So let's go. And he gives them all of this. And they just, it's crazy. I want to give you a picture of what's really happening here in the passage. So I'm going to need a couple volunteers, okay? Um, Joe, you're in the message. Come on down. Right. You're going to be John the Baptist. I'm setting it here, okay? Phil, I always use you. I'm just going to give, use somebody else. Aaron, you're in the message. You're Jesus. That's, that's not a bad play. Come on, Madison. You going to help me? Thanks. Thanks for sitting in the front row. I see a couple rows open here. You can just beckon these people down. All right, so you're going to be over there at that sign. Pick that up. Okay, you're going to be right here in the middle. I mean, I don't know why we would have Christ in the middle. And, uh, and you'll be down here. Uh, yep, yep, right, right here, right here, right here. Perfect. Okay, just go down, man. Just go down, man. we got some time between Jesus and John. I mean, I don't know. They overlapped a little bit, but like, all right. So here's what happens. Here's what the passage is talking about. You ever played telephone? You ever played the game telephone? If I started out right here, and it just went, bleh, like, be before it gets up there to Alicia, like, it is a mess, right? So I want to clear up the mess, because this is a little bit of a mess, right? Well, John the Baptist, disciples, I don't know who's going what, and <laughs> here's what's happening. You got John the Baptist. He says in the Word what he's supposed to do. You read John 1, you read John 3, he's, like, clear about who the Lamb of God is. I'm not hit, you know, whatever. Let's just go to Matthew 3. Matthew 3. Throw it up on the screen. Matthew 3. Matthew 3, 11 and 12. I baptize you with water for repentance. That's the same thing the Bible just said in our passage. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Yep, like that. All right. Mightier than I, whose sandal, I don't think it's talking about physical strength, just, just so we're clear. All right. Mightier than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. Yeah, he probably can't carry your shoes. All right. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you get that? That's what just we just saw. That's what happens when you believe. 
But just so we got the fire thing right, I, I added the other verse. Because some of you are like, oh, baptize with fire. It's like the fire. It's the tongues of fire, right? It's like all that. No, no, hold on. The fire is this. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You want to be baptized in the spirit, not with the fire. Trust me. Nobody wants to go to hell and be baptized with that. Nobody wants to be immersed in that. You want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, okay? This is what happened. John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus. Go ahead and point, right? He is pointing to Jesus. He's saying clearly, and he's mentioning the Holy Spirit. So why they've never heard about it? We got a game of telephone and it ain't working out, right? Because John the Baptist, who you're a disciple of, through Apollos, something got down the line and you didn't hear the whole Holy Spirit part and you didn't hear the whole Jesus part, right? Keep pointing. Don't get tired, right? John the Baptist didn't get tired of pointing, right, at Jesus. And then you got Jesus here, and he's like, I died for you. I rose again. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. You can just write down John chapter 14 through 16. You should read that about what he says about the Holy Spirit. And then you have baptism over here, right? Spirit baptism, physical water baptism, which happens after the fact, right? Because when we believe, we're baptized in the Spirit, and then just after that, as soon as we can get a clear understanding that this needs to happen, we get in the water and we get baptized. And what is that doing? It's pointing. Go ahead. It's pointing back to Jesus. So what's happening in this passage? John's pointing forward to Jesus, and they have that message, but they don't have this message, which is pointing back to the cross and saying it's a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's pointing towards we're pointing back. Hey, remember Jesus? Hey, remember Jesus? Do you get it? That's the picture in the passage. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I guess I don't need these for next service, but hey, we'll take them anyway. That's the picture in the, in the passage. This is what's happening. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the question. Do you understand what you have, Right? Do you understand the influence of the indwelling Holy Spirit? Do you understand how much power is at your fingertips? I mean, do you get that? There's so much power. We live so weak in our Christian lives. We have so much power at our fingertips. We wallow around in our sin. Woe is me. Make war. You know? We're in a battle. With Satan, he hates us, and he's got a legion of demons. And he's trying to crush you daily. But you have the one, only, Holy Spirit, God Almighty, inside of you, who is victorious, right? And we can live in that. Do you understand the influence? The power of the Holy Spirit that's inside. Do you have that power? That power, go back to the grace, that power comes through understanding the grace. I rest in the grace and I'm strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit as I go forward in my Christian journey. This is what's happening in the passage. And it's amazing. 
the gifts of the Spirit. If you want to read, I need to preach on the Holy Spirit sometime, okay? Like James just preached, like James McDonald just preached in Chicago on like, I don't know, 5, 10, I don't know how many it ended up being messages on the Holy Spirit. We just need to preach on it sometime because it can get all confusing and we're in Acts and all these references and stuff, but uh, to come, right? Not today. Uh, gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12 through uh, 14. I asked you to read John 14 through 16 on what Jesus says about the Spirit. You've got the walk by the Spirit in, in John Five or uh, in, excuse me, Galatians five and the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five. All these things. Take it all together. I'm just going to give you a couple verses. You ready? Ephesians chapter one, thirteen and fourteen. It's on the screen. In Him, Jesus, you also, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When was he promised? John 14 through 16, okay? And we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of the glory. The Holy Spirit comes in you at the moment of salvation. We call it, we say it this way. One baptism at the moment of faith in Jesus Christ. When you rest in that grace, boom, you're sealed by the Spirit, okay? Many fillings. I've been praying that you'd be filled up again today. I'd be praying that you'd be obedient to the Spirit again today. That your journey wouldn't stop. Oh, yeah, I got saved. Boom. What a journey that was with God. What? Let's keep going. Many fillings. As a matter of fact, daily fillings, please, Lord. Right? Where I'm filled up because I'm obedient and I'm resting in the Spirit. I'm asking the Spirit to fill me up. That's what we're looking for. And then this verse... uh, Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How would we do that? Doing our own thing? Sin? <laughs> I mean, we can, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can put him in a box. You can tuck him away. You can keep him out of areas or rooms in your house. You can keep him out of the hall closet where you store all your secret sins. You could do that. By whom you were sealed. Remember that points back to uh, chapter 1 for the day of redemption. There's a day where you're going to stand face to face with Jesus. It's going to be great. When you stand there, don't pull your own resume. Not that just, you know, don't be like, "Oh, look at all I've done. Like God, look at me. I'm just get in." Don't do that. Pull Jesus Christ. Here's what Christ did. I don't deserve to be here, but I'm standing with him, right? I'm behind him. I'm with him. And then this, Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Spirit, but be filled with the Spirit daily. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with anything else. Don't be filling this up with anything besides the Spirit, right? Okay, let's move on. You look at verse... uh, where we leave off? Eight. Let me give you this last point, and then I'll, I'll preach it here. Do I understand the impact of complete surrender to God? Do I understand the impact I could have, the impact we could have on our city, on our church, on the country, on the world, if we were completely surrendered to God? Do I understand that? Here it is. 
And he entered the synagogue for three months, spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. You know, God's coming back and he's going to set up a kingdom. I hope you got that grace thing going on. I hope you got that power thing going on. But, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, how dare you uh, talk about my religiosity? How dare you say I'm not doing enough for God to get to heaven? How dare? No, I'm actually saying you don't have to do anything except for rest in the grace that God's already giving. <laughs> just, just, just relax in that. How dare? I mean, don't, I'm just saying this. Truth rejected leads to a hardened heart. Don't harden your heart. That's another thing it says in Hebrews. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart. If you hear his voice, if God's calling you today, do not harden your heart. Are you, are you, are you hearing me? Don't do it. Don't do it. Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him and reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. The interesting thing about Tyrannus is it means tyrant. And this guy must be a teacher, uh, but he must have been a tyrant. And so he had this hall, uh, and, and Paul rented it out <laughs> from 11 to 4, right, when this guy wasn't teaching, right? So Paul went to work in the morning, then he get, went, did this thing and worked some more telling people about Jesus, and then he went back to work, and it's crazy. This continued for two years. Verse 10 might be the like, biggest small verse in the Bible. Like, two years of awesomeness in one verse. You ready? Um, this continued for two years, him speaking at this whole, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Everybody in all of Asia heard about Jesus. That's astounding. Paul didn't tell every one of them himself. He made some disciples. There's power in making disciples. They go tell them too. And then verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles. That's like saying water's wet. Miracles are extraordinary. <laughs> but these were extra, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even the handkerchiefs and, or the aprons that he touched, his skin, were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the spirits came out of them. Now this is what was happening. So Paul would go to work in the morning, and he uh, was a tent maker, right? He worked with Paul, uh, uh, Priscilla, and Aquila. And uh, he'd, he'd be, like, wiping his sweat, right? And he's like, oh, man, this is tough work, right? And uh, he just put this, put this down somewhere, and somebody would pick it up, and they'd be like, put it on your knee and be like, bam, you know, you're healed. And that's what they, I mean, this was happening. He had an apron he wore, and they, like, they're like, can we have your apron? I mean, does this happen today? Only at NBA basketball games where guys take their sweatbands and throw them out in the crowd. Satan will always try to copy what God does and twist and contort it. Matter of fact, there are charlatans, right, who will be mailing you handkerchiefs if you want and say, write your name on it and put it where you want and like pray for healing and then send it back with the largest check available. It's wrong. It's just wrong. This is God doing something in a city that he claimed for himself. And he did it in such a powerful way that it overcame the occult, right, magic arts, which you're going to see here in a second, because people thought they could just do whatever. 
and be magical themselves, God's like, no, you have no clue. You have nothing. Let me show you what God does. It's pretty amazing. Praying that God does some amazing stuff in this city through his people here. Then some of the itinerant, you can get a job doing this, traveling, <laughs> Jewish exorcists, well, I guess they were casting out demons, undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, please come out by, I adjure you, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And that's weak. That's weak. Uh, please come out, because Jesus, you know, Paul preaches about Jesus, so you should come out now. Um, don't do that. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva, I don't know what that means, were, were doing this. Bad idea. But the evil spirit answered them. This is really key. Jesus, I know. That word know there means intimately. Jesus, I know. As in we were together at the foundation of the earth. Evil spirit, evil angel, fallen angel. He was there fanning Jesus at the beginning, right? That's just kind of how we look at it. But giving glory to God in the beginning. Yes, I know Jesus intimately. I know exactly who Jesus is. I know exactly what power he holds. I know him. Matter of fact, I was created by him. And Paul, I recognize. I've heard about this Paul guy. Like, he's doing some crazy stuff. I heard about these miracles and different things. I heard about Paul. But who are you? A.K.I., who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? See, I just say that to say this. God knows. God knows your heart in this second. God knows. The spirit realm knows. Right? The demons are watching your behavior. The angels are watching your behavior. They know. God knows who you are, how you act. He knows. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, or leapt, however you want to say it, and mastered all of them. It seems like a good karate movie to me. Mastered. I don't know, it's just kind of like a something out of the crazy world matrix. I don't know. And he mastered all of them and overpowered all of them, one on seven, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I'm thinking when he takes the first guy, I'm out of the house. So this is like happening quick. It is the martial arts kind of thing. Time standing still or something. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Everybody heard about it. Everybody knew about it. Everybody's talking about it. Both Jews and Greeks. He keeps saying both Jews and Greeks. Do you think that God cares about both Jews and Greeks? Do you think that he wants the message to go out to everybody? Saved, unsaved, whoever came today, please get the message. I think he cares about that. And fear fell upon them all. I've been trying to figure out how to help you get that. It's all a little bit too big for us, honestly. Extraordinary handkerchiefs and miracles. and But fear fell on them. 
an awe and a reverence of God. The fact that God knows me inside and out. The fact that he made me in my mom's womb. The fact that he knew my life beginning to end. The fact that he is pursuing me in love. All should make me fear reverently the Lord. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. It was praised. Now we did that, did we not? We came together, we were kind of like, Oh, praise the name of the Lord. I mean, we were just like, come on. But were we really, come on? Or were we kind of like, man, Jesus is pretty cool. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? What does it look like? What's the impact on our church and on this city and on the world of complete surrender to God? I don't care what you think of me. You know? I don't care. Like, if my hands go up, they go up. If my hands go down, they go down. I don't care what happens, right? Just want to extol the name of Jesus Christ. Also, many of those who were now believers, oh, now they were, now they got the grace, right? Now they understood the power. They came. Notice they were already believers, and yet they came. Believers, you're not off the hook today. They came, confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together publicly and burned them in the sight of all together publicly. And they counted the value of them, and they found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. One piece of silver is one day's wage. 50,000 days' wages is 139 years' worth of work for you. If you worked 139 years at $50,000 a year, y'all are from America, you probably make more than that. I don't know. But if you, if you did that, we're talking $7 million. It's a bunch of money burning in front of us. Why? Because people don't care about their sin when they look into the eyes of Jesus Christ. My sin is small. The value of it is nothing compared to Jesus Christ. I love that. And I want to practice that right now in our church. Do I understand the impact of complete surrender to God? So I've been praying that we would be pierced by the things that are bogging us down, the things that have captured our heart the things that are tripping us up, the things that our hearts are set on that aren't Jesus, that aren't named Jesus. What's holding you back from complete surrender today? I guess that's the, that's the question. What's holding you back from going further in your je- journey with Jesus? Where did you get stuck? What sin is besetting you? That's really the question. I know this well. I remember this often. It keeps me out of the ditch. So I'll just tell you my brief story. 2005, October. I was at Straight Up Conference, sitting next to my sister Cheryl. We're worshiping the Lord. And then the message, just like this message, powerful from the Word of God. This is the Holy Spirit in us, right? Convicting, convincing and at the time, I was a pastor, but I was also dabbling in, I would say, addicted to pornography on the side. 
And I sat there in the message, and I knew something had to change. And I walked out in the middle of the message, got on the phone. This is before texting. I got on, got on the, that'll tell you. I got on the phone with my wife, called her, and said, babe, I, I need you. Okay, I need to talk to you when I get home. I need to talk to you. Don't let me out of it. Don't say, don't let me say I'm too tired. Like, when we get home, we got to have a good conversation, right? I love you. Right? That was it. But hold, held accountable. Confession had started. And went home and confessed my sin to my wife. Devastated her. Right? Devastated her. She didn't trust me for a year. We still have guardrails up on all our stuff. But I got to tell you, I've never lived so free. It's when you can't tell anybody that you wallow in it, that you keep going back to it. It's when you tell somebody and get it out of there, cut it off, get it in the living room, cut it off, that you then can live free from it. That's the point of the story. The point of the story is, if you understand Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, then you have grace at your disposal. It's covered already. Whether anybody knows about it or not, it's covered. And you have people here that love you. If they understand the grace too, they're going to just say, I forgive you. It would take me a while, but I forgive you. And if you understand the power you have to break the chains of sin and pain, you have all the power you need to do that. The Spirit is in you. Then this next thing, then you'll understand the impact it will have when you completely surrender to Christ. When you completely surrender to God and say, All in! All my sin in, everything in, everything on the table. Because if you're like, hey, I'm bringing my sin to the table. That's all I bring anyway. Here's my sin. Well, I got this. Right? Really? Let God forgive that too. Let God have it all. I belabored it enough. You understand what I'm talking about. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Use that singing time to prepare your heart. Then I'm going to ask you, to get up out of your seat. We're going to go a little long today. Get up out of your seat and to find somebody that you know, trust, and confess something. Maybe you've never confessed before or you just need to get free from it. Maybe somebody in your small group. I don't know, but I'm asking and I'm praying that God would use this time to get you to a spot where there's nothing that you're hiding. Let's pray. God, man, people came in today and they didn't expect this. And their hearts are beating faster now that I've asked them to do something public. And God, I just pray that our eyes would be on your son, Jesus Christ, the grace he's so freely given. I pray that that would be the thing that will save many that that will be the thing that will give us, um, get us to feel the grace so that we'll say what we need to say to each other. God, may nothing be held back. May we confess our sins. No hall closets. Bust through the doors through the power of the Holy Spirit. Break down everything inside of us so that we might see you and you alone.
we confess. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.